I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Curzon Film Podcast. We've made it, it's halfway through the year, so this week we decided to round up some of our absolute favourites of the first six months of 2018, as well as previewing our most anticipated releases for the second half of the year. I'm Jake Cunningham, and joining me this week, we've got Kelly Powell. Hello. She's back from Italy, she's looking radiant. <laughs> Thank you. We've got Sam Howlett. Hi. He's returned from East London. He's looking less radiant. <laughs> I don't feel radiant. I got half sunburnt yesterday wearing a vest in the garden. Oh. In the garden for about half an hour as well. Don't make me think of you in a vest. <laughs> <laughs> Had a giant elephant on it. Absolutely. Please keep it PG. Yeah. And Camille Campbell's here. And Hello. He's looking wonderful despite not eating breakfast. Uh, I know. I've sacrificed everything for this pod. It's very important to me. Uh, in other words, I'm going to be talking to you about show dogs today. <laughs> Uh, so I've asked everyone to send me their three favourite films of the year so far and the three that they're most looking forward to. Uh, Kelly, we'll start with you. What's been mm-hmm. your number one? Uh, you Were Never Really Here. Yes. Uh, and so when I formatted this show, I thought it'd be a great idea. I'll get such a great selection of films <laughs> to talk to a wide variety, at least nine different films. Um, failing to think that obviously everyone's going to pick You Were Never Really Here. Oh, it's fantastic. Uh, yeah, it's probably my favourite film of the year. Mm. Yeah, I think it's mine as mm. well. Probably one of mine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's so boring. <laughs> but Kelly, why why is this up there for you? Um, I just thought it was. It's just a standout film in this in the sense that like you don't really see that kind of film that often anymore. Mm. Um, and she's just such a fearless director, um, and she sticks to what she does, mm. and she doesn't give a about anybody else's opinion she just kind of does what she needs to do yeah when and when people talk about like a fearless director mm. like it springs to mind ideas of kind of being brash and overly ambitious mm. and like things like the revenant and things like look but <laughs> sorry yeah casual <laughs> <laughs> reaction but you're never really here is all of, like, I think the bravery in it comes mm. from stripping it down mm. and yeah. removing things that totally. uh, might, people otherwise might say is brave. And you're just getting to the skeletal idea mm. of what you need for yeah. the story. And that's what's really impressive yeah. about it. I think skeletal is the key word for this film. It completely strips away any kind of fat or even like any muscle or anything in the film. It just shows you this bare bones of a character and like the blueprints of a story. Um, you know, when we did the show, we talked about how the book is this kind of complex, labyrinthine, political, 
conspiracy going on and Liam Ramsey's like, nah, I don't care. Yeah. I just want to see it's all about this guy. Is it Joe? You guys know? Yeah. yeah. I just want to see Joe. Joe Cup. Joe Cup. <laughs> uh, Joe yeah. Hammer. And I know when we talk about uh, David Lynch, uh, yeah. people say like, yeah, he just makes the same film. And last week I went to see Morven Caller in the cinema, mm. and first time I've seen that in about eight years or so, and it just got me thinking. Yeah, she's she's the same. So that's and she's looking at, she's so focused on character, and it's just about using the form in the neatest way possible yeah. to focus on that character and reflect their psyche. And what I think Morven Caller does, uh, it uses light in a really interesting way. Uh, mm-hmm. It opens and closing with these flashing lights. One's a Christmas tree, one's a nightclub, mm. and throughout you've got images of. Uh, lighters and lamps and the sun and lighters going out and people not having lighters and it just means that there's constant back and forth of light and dark and that to me was a reflection of Morven Keller's uh, psychology throughout the film and she's using the same uh, idea but approaching it through editing in You Were Never Really Here and that's how she's breaking into that fragmented mind mm. like it's amazing to watch a master and mm. just such an unassuming one as well I was, gonna say, I was gonna say like with the um with you saying the editing was quite an important part of you and never really here. I think a uh, particularly important part was also the sound design. Because mm. I saw two cuts of it. I saw one at LFF and then one that was on release. And I think the own there was a slight difference in the ending, but then there was also I think um I may be wrong about this, but I, it felt like the sounds had been played up a lot. So a lot of um the film draws your attention to a lot of sounds around Joe so it just starts feel you start feeling a bit like boxed in so there's uh crowds just sound deafening and cars so, so do cars and everything um and then there's also these kind of flashes back to uh moments from Joe's past but it's not really given any context so Ramsey as she normally does she drops you she likes to drop you in without context so there's a lot of these sounds that you just hear and these these horrible like haunting noises and you the film kind of drip feeds you the context as to what is happening when you hear those things but for the rest of the part it's just this bewildering um look into joe's mind and it's really it's really overwhelming especially from the beginning when you don't really know what's happening you just see this kind of foul deed unfold and then these haunting sounds afterwards mm-hmm. but yeah yeah all right, uh, let's move on to your second choice then, Kelly. I think that might be Lucretia Martel's Sama. Cavalier's raised Sorry. his fists <laughs> in joy yeah, at the yeah. mention of that one. Um, I think we've got yeah. an, it's another overlap there mm. for one of your choices too. Mm. Oh, yeah. Mm. Also, fearless director, I think. I mean, what she did with that film, I, the first time I saw it, I was really, I, I didn't know what to make of it. And it was one of those films that, like, the more you thought about it and the more you dissected it, the better it was. And upon second watching... It was just like, whoa, okay, whoa, this film is amazing. And even the pod that we did, um, I enjoyed that conversation so much because there's just so much to dissect. Mm. Just with what, like how multi-layered it was, the cinematography was gorgeous. Also, sound design was amazing. Um, and it was really funny, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I, thought it was, I thought it was a great, great yeah. film. Absolute banger of a soundtrack. And Campbell, why is this on, on your list too? Um, I was going to say almost purely because of the Brazilian surf rock. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, Los, Los Indios uh, Tabajares. <laughs> so good. So if, good. If you haven't listened to them. Yeah. Um, I've, I actually, because there wasn't one on Spotify, I built a Zama soundtrack playlist. Uh, oh, so if anyone, want, if anyone wants the link, I will yes, share yes. it around. That's public. This is my work soundtrack now. Oh, it's so good. And looks 
absolutely amazing as well uh, and probably one of my favorite final shots of the year oh yeah uh, just filled with so many mixed emotions uh, about freedom and hopelessness mm-hmm. <laughs> at the same time uh, and extremely serene and it's really lovely and this is all and it, i think it all does go back to this music that gives it's quite unnerving how chilled out it is in relation to the events we're seeing i was gonna say it's quite it's a really great ironic touch because it kind of gives this impression of this like island paradise and stuff which is i am what i imagine like the a lot of colonialists thought when they were heading out to these exotic lands but all they really find there is just depression and ennui (laughs) yeah um it's I, i thought that was a really great touch and then also interspersed with those just really loud kind of electronic tones like the descending one that happens when Zama is having a particular kind of moment of crisis and he would just mm. kind of <laughs> this wonderful performance where he would just kind of stare past whoever he's talking to and this tone will just like drop yeah. <laughs> it's really wonderful yeah great uh, appearance by a llama as well yeah fantastic great. llama uh, one of my but, favorites in yeah, film yeah, <laughs> uh, so that's got lucretia martel's uh, kind of futile colonial tale zama and that's still out in cinemas as well and i think it is one of this year's real cinema releases like you want this on a big screen it's yeah. so lush <laughs> and so rich um it's the film as well that i think's got the most kind of small but passionate like fan base in a weird mm. way because all over Twitter it's been people going like it's you know it was a week after the Avengers, the Avengers or something they were like please everyone see Zama like yeah. you need to see Zama yeah we had um, Hannah from Little White Lies here to talk about that as well and uh, that magazine gave it like five stars across the board and David Jenkins even highlighted it as like this is one of the 21st century masterpieces I really take this opportunity to go and watch this film Uh, yeah you really want to see it on the big screen yeah Um, wonderful and your third choice so Lean on Pete's my third choice I just love Andrew Haig so much. Um, I'm a, I'm a, one of his biggest fans. I think. You're one of the Haig heads, as yeah, they yeah. call them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm. um, I didn't care for that. <laughs> well, we're, it's like we're, it's like There's Tom bit... Hiddleston and Cumberbatch. It's like yeah, everyone, they, everyone's a Haig got... head. <laughs> <laughs> come on, we're all Haig heads. <laughs> yeah, I think we can come up with a more elegant yeah, term. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just thought that this was a beautiful movie. Um, I don't know, maybe it, I, I was just really moved by it. Um, and I thought that it was also really understated. I really like how he also just sort of places you in this world and you sort of have to figure your way through it, um, through the eyes of Charlie. Um, and So this, this, is, uh, this is a horse and his boy, really. A horse and his boy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but the, yeah, uh, to, just to give a brief background for those that haven't watched it, this is uh, about a a young boy who kind of rescues a horse that's going to be put down and takes it across this on this odyssey across Middle America, really. Yeah, and that it's pretty light on any other events. Like, yeah, that, that's yeah. what it is. Exactly, exactly. It's also a character study, I mm. think. And I like slow cinema, and I think that he sort of took his time, um, letting us get to know this boy. Um, and we sort of follow his journey, and uh, I think that I, I just related to him mm. deeply. I think I it's it. it's a nice entry point for uh, people to find Charlie Plummer as well, because this mm. first played mm. at Venice, he won the Young Actor Award, but then uh, All the Money in the World came out, and obviously that got a lot of press, and that came out before this did in the UK, and then yeah. that was the kind of thing that m- broke him through to people. Mm. Um, but, and this is this is a much more different performance. He's quite manic and frenetic in all, uh, all the money in the world, and I don't think like anyone's going to really remember that performance. Um, and it's just it may be a shame that this came a couple of months after yeah. that, and there was wasn't as much interest. Mm. I think this is one of the great like child performances of the year so far as well. Mm. Oh yeah, 
for sure. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's move around the table. Camberley, um, let's take your choices. What's uh, what's your number one? Well, mine wasn't in any particular order. Um, I had Zama at the top, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and that ready choice. to go. Uh, we've already kind of talked about how uh, wonderful and weird that is. It take, I think I immediately after watching it, I was quite confounded, like just... I hadn't really seen a film like that in the cinema for a really long time, mm. uh, if ever, uh, because it just kind of has this really strange, like, sensational feel to it. Mm. So uh, you can kind of really feel the heat of that environment. It's using that sound and image to create this odd sensation of touch, which mm. is one of the one of the senses that cinema really shouldn't be able to do. Yeah. Unless I, we could go to the Zama 4DX screening, um, <laughs> but... That it really kind of reaches out to you, and you feel almost quite sticky watching it. It's a sweaty movie. Everyone just like looks really uncomfortable throughout. It's really kind of great to see, especially none more than um, well the the guy playing Zama. I can't remember the actor's name, but he has this really great, just deeply uncomfortable performance as he just kind of gets ritually humiliated (laughs) over this film's running time. I think you, you mentioned Kelly mentioned earlier the scene with the llama as well, which kind of there's moments in this film which are just so odd, uh, but they're so funny and just grim at the same time mm. because like this um, almost like farcical like just appearance of this llama just mm. almost it feels like this uh, extra step to humiliate this guy who just wants to get the hell off this island, yeah. <laughs> um, but it just appears as this kind of purgatory for him, this very bright, lush purgatory, but he just hasn't. He doesn't do anything. He ha- he has this role that has uh, this very self-important title, but redundant. Yeah, totally mm. redundant. Yeah, yeah. and, and uh, he just kind of spends his time being mocked by uh, the kind of native population. As like, at the beginning, we just see him like peeking at some women changing and stuff, and he gets yelled at at being a voyeur. And it's not exactly um, it doesn't give the impression of someone of high stature. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's one of the essential cinema viewings of the year. And I think your next choice is uh, definitely one that I would agree with as uh, it's the one that I can remember having the most physical reaction to any film, and that's uh, 120 BPM. Oh, I thought you were going to say Show Dogs. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's Patrick. Come on. <laughs> yeah, BPM. I feel like I came to quite late because I heard all of the buzz from festival, the festival circuit, and everything, and people raving just like this is the best film of the year. But people were saying this in 2017, so it was a little strange to say it's my favorite film of this year. So, to you, like, uh, before you watched it, to you, what was this film? Um, I mean, it was just uh, something I'd heard a lot of good things about. I, it was kind of just, just existed in the abstract for me because yeah. I haven't really watched any trailers well, so I'd only read briefly about it. I, th- I find talking to people about it who maybe haven't followed the film's journey through its festivals and release um, try and talk to someone about it it will initially come up like a vegetable film like, and it, like, it's good to eat it's like a Ken Loach uh, uh, <laughs> what two and a half hour AIDS drama yeah like, exactly that's the last thing anyone wants to see <laughs> yeah um, and that's, yeah, that's, a, yeah. that's a tough sell mm. Um but then everyone's coming out of the other end of it completely changed. Yeah. Because it's got this kind of, uh, it's got this emotional honesty to it. Um, it doesn't just, it's not a really grim portrait of that movement. Also, more importantly, it's not, it's a non-American perspective of the AIDS crisis, which is like, it just feels, um, it feels more essential. And it's also got this very authentic style to it. It's just kind of this fly on the wall filmmaking, but in a fictional feature. It was got. It's got this like emotional honesty to it, so it takes a lot of the good with the bad. So there's a lot of things that you see behind closed doors, and you see how this fear of the AIDS crisis kind of seeps into 
these kind of LGBTQA people's everyday lives. And it kind of gives this film so much more urgency because you identify so much more with this just need to have be able to have this space to themselves without being fearful. Mm. Um, and it just it it does so well to just kind of drum up this um, kind of want to protest. And you, or you kind of come out of the film wanting to just <laughs> throw some blood at a corrupt government office <laughs> or something. Um, but it's. Um, it's kind of it's frankness is what really got to me along with this really wonderful um these very kind of lyrical ways it's um these very lyrical images where it's like the nightclub kind of folds into um like kind of dust particles and then into oh, blood cells yeah. and, as and a, this kind of as refrain a, is amazing an exercise in editing it's absolutely phenomenal you go from these protest scenes in this classroom and then people's Oh, like people are arguing and their arms are throwing up mm. as like um, protest gestures and then within an instant and you haven't noticed that same arm is the arm that's in the nightclub yeah. and as you say then it moves into these particles and then that moves into the genes and the mm. the uh, the DNA breaking down uh, and then we're back in another room and we're back in the daytime and you've barely noticed it go by and it's such it a you in. Yeah, yeah like this trajectory of images that is completely seamless and quite experimental to tie into a narrative piece like that it's mm. phenomenal and for what is essentially a film about partly a film about people dying it's yeah. so like energetic and mm. kinetic yeah. and the camera's always moving and everyone is, in the, is moving and shouting and like mm. we say the dance sequences <clears throat> the protests they're um the kind of debates they have in their uh, meetings, everything's so full of like movement and yeah. life. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and it's actually showing things and talking about things. Like I went to a um, talk at the BFI during Flair and uh, discussing BPM and Pride, the um, the British film from I think was it yeah, 2013 yeah. was raised, and it's like that's happening in England in the late 80s, and the only. Uh, addressing of the AIDS crisis at that point is one character who doesn't even mention it by name mm. and is just a like who is given one scene and that's it mm. and this actually <clears throat> looks at it head on and doesn't and doesn't just like submit to it either mm. as well it's not just lots of people standing around crying as you say there's yeah. energy yeah. there's life to mm. it and that's what yeah, it's about it. that but it's not about that yeah you know? yeah it's great that a film that about a subject that was kind of considered taboo maybe even today like it's kind of this unspoken thing that people don't want to talk about it it's great that it approaches it with such like directness and and honesty mm. um I was also going to say about the editing, just kind of quickly going back to that, is that for a two and a half hour film, it's got a really great flow to it. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Um, I did not feel that long. There was uh, <clears> like <throat> the kind of centerpiece is that sex scene between the two main characters mm. that kind of uh, is this kind of twisting of limbs and everything that will like then transition into a flashback to do with um, uh, the past of each character and maybe and how they kind of. Um, got to where they were, and it it all just seamlessly blends together in this mm. in this one really kind of moving piece. It's just it's uh, it's completely stunning to watch. Mm. Uh, I was going to say, yeah. uh, AIDS in film is usually like melodrama or mm. metaphor. Mm. People say, yeah. oh, the things about AIDS or like Dawn of the Dead. These films are all about AIDS. It's like, but at least this film isn't like hiding behind a metaphor. Yeah. They say it's fully confronting. It's like, no, this film is about that. Yeah. We're mm. going to attack it. Yeah, um, and so we've spoken about two films that you must see in the cinema, and uh, I think your third choice, Campbell, is notoriously one that you won't. I really wish I could have seen this one in the cinema. Uh, my third choice is Annihilation, a sci-fi film in the kind of grand tradition of uh, Tarkovsky, <laughs> um, because it's just this really um, it uses the kind of other of this giant shimmer thing 
uh, it uses that to just focus in on this character played by Natalie Portman and her tendency towards like self-destruction in her grief. Mm. And so, the, sorry, just to just to set this up, when you say this shimmer, this is almost like a giant uh, psychedelic window that's appeared in the world, and through that window, everything beyond it has an extreme level of evolution. Yeah, so everything in it is constantly changing and mutating. So you, the moment uh, you see it for the first time, it's just, it kind of looks like, you know when you see like maybe oil on the ground and mm. lights reflecting of it and it's this kind of weird rainbow effect. Mm. So you see that from the outside. And there's a lot of kind of uncanniness to it because um, I am I read the book recently as well, so I might be mixing it up, but there's a moment when they enter, uh, I think it's reflected in the film by just a j- very jarring cut, uh, but everyone forgets how they got mm. in. So they end up like uh, maybe a couple of miles into the zone they forget. And there's this really discomforting feeling to it because it's just uh, Garland does so well to just portray it as nothing like the natural world it kind of leaves behind um, the kind of clean cut uh, minimalism of something like Ex Machina it just goes full on like psychedelic so the one, very early on you'll see things like mutating crocodiles and like well, giant crocodiles mm. and um and later on, this utter nightmare creature, the bear. Mm. Um, I love it so I love much. The bear. It's one of my scenes of the year. Yeah. Oh my <laughs> the bear God. thing. Yeah. The bear, the bear with the human face. Uh, oh, oh that's the sixth part of the um, Stig Larsson <laughs> trilogy. Um, sorry. <laughs> uh, um, I really wish I could remember what they'd actually called it uh, during production, but a um, little fun fact. I do remember. You do? It's Homerton. Yeah, it's Homerton because um, the people who designed the bear um had also worked on paddington um so they were like this is a horrible bear so instead of Paddington, we've got to name it after a bad train station <laughs> so they named it <laughs> oh. there are also loads of like evil bears hanging around homerton station yeah <laughs> don't go there no uh right so talking about uh Evil creatures and evil things. Um, let's move on to oh, Sam Howlett. A seamless bridge. <laughs> <laughs> Only get on that bridge and go to Hereditary. Uh, yeah, I think this might be my film of the year thus far. Ooh, um, I like horror. Yeah, I do like horror. <laughs> yeah. right. This is that stigma about uh, genre that has been mentioned so often. Yeah. <laughs> but it is a horror. Your it part. is That's, a horror. But I like that about yes. it, that it just is. Because I was watching this, I was so... I was so pleased by the last 20 minutes when it goes proper. Me like, too. Like wild, <laughs> classic it. horror culty stuff that yeah. I love. Um, like those are the horror films that my dad watched and I, yeah. I really like. And I'm so done with, what if the real horror was in your mind? I know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, just, yeah, actually do something exactly. horrible. Like That's why I didn't get along with the Babadook and stuff like right. that. Just like, just do it. Just, the real horror was the friends we made along the way. Yeah. <laughs> the real horror Certainly true of this room. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, you're right. And I know some people have come out for Hereditary and be like, yeah, it's quite good, but the last half hour, I just wish they'd kept up with this, you know, the whole the metaphor of it. And I was like, no, it's a horror film. Yeah. I want them to just like plunge into the horror and be like, all right, now let's go for it. Yeah, and like the the last half of, half an hour of the film ties into things that are being set up the whole way. Yeah. It wouldn't make sense if it just lost it. And I, I imagine when he was pitching this film... yeah because of what was popular at the time and stuff like The Witch and films like that and those new horrors when yeah. you don't really see the horror and it follows and things, he would have had a tough time trying to sell them on that more uh, fantasy element of it. 
It's, I'm really happy that they did. Yeah, and I think so. I've mm. I've seen it twice now, and I think this is the third time I've spoken about it on the podcast because of, like the you know people tweeting in reviews mm. and stuff. But I really feel like there is there's a there's more uh, like a sense of humor in the film that other people don't seem to. I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but I really feel like it's funny. Yeah, I really feel <laughs> there's a full-on sense of like cackling glee. Yes, that he's got. I mean, there's there's like the scene. I won't say what it is, but there's the moment, and the oh. way the last. <laughs> but they they go back to a shot of that moment that I think is only there to be like ha ha to the audience. <laughs> like you got this. Now you got this. It's like yeah. oh god, he's doing it. Yeah. Um, and I absolutely loved it. And I love films like this in a cinema with a group of people that are like really terrified. And are... oh, that was so me. I've been, yeah, I've never been more scared. Yeah, it's really and it's really scary. Horror films aren't often. It's not always scary anymore. And this is a really scary film. Hmm. I think I like that it doesn't. Um, it doesn't opt for kind of moment to moment scares. As yeah, so much as I think you said plunging you into the horror. <laughs> uh, it basically it just kind of lets you sit with a lot of really horrible images. So oh, it will it won't like flash something. It will just show you yeah something um, horrible for a very long time or wait until you notice it. So oh yeah. So oh. the the big moment that Sam is mentioning, there is a particular character involved in that situation, and immediately following that, it's just a close up that's unbroken. Yeah, for a and very it long feels time. Feels endless. And I, like, even though I knew in my head nothing's going to happen, it's just a close-up. I couldn't watch it. Yeah. And I'm just sitting there, just like, and all like, I can't just look at this person's face. There's like three or four shots where I remember thinking, okay, cut. Okay, cut. To the, okay, cut. Please. Cut. Please cut. <laughs> cut. Why are you cutting? What's going on? The reel is broken. It's not cutting. Yeah. Yeah. Harry, uh, please. <laughs> Harry, please cut. Please write cut on the script. <laughs> Um, all right, uh, so that's hereditary. We've, uh, one of your other choices was uh, you were never really here. I think we've we've gone we've, we've gone into we've really that. Covered that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the final choice, uh, which I think would again we would probably all pick, uh, where we'll be given a few more slots, is Phantom Thread. Another horror film. <laughs> uh, this is about a possessed. Oh, it's a gothic romance. <laughs> uh, yeah, Phantom Thread. I think again with hereditary, there's a streak of humour going through it mm. that isn't. Uh, that obvious, but it's definitely there. I don't think you call your main character Reynolds Woodcock if you're taking your film entirely seriously. Well, when him and Daniel Day-Lewis, or Paul Thomas Anderson and Daniel Day-Lewis were writing this character, they just had that name as a placeholder, as a silly name. Yeah. And then, <laughs> and then yeah, just stick with it. And just when they, when they say things like, how dare you do that in a dress from the House of Woodcock? <laughs> this, isn't a, this isn't a totally serious film, is it? Yeah. Uh, it's so fun, considering how kind of stately it is mm. you know it's set in this post-war 1950s london townhouse and it's about a dressmaker who falls in love with a waitress i mean it sounds tedious it as sounds hell. like itv drama yeah mm. it sounds really something that would be gen- you know frankly quite boring but it, it's injected with such a you know three quite weird performances in a way like mm. Mm. Um, so it's daniel de lewis vicky creeps and leslie manville um it's got some of the best swearing in film i think uh, we can't say it now, but there's some killer lines, some uh, some savage takedowns over the breakfast table. Oh, yeah. Serious. Yeah. Um, yeah. Don't mess with Cyril. Don't mess with Cyril. She, what does she say? I'll, I'll, like, I'll go through you or something. I'll go, go right <laughs> through you. <laughs> and it's like, I'll go through you, mate. That's how she says it. Um, Come on, then. Come on, then. <laughs> Square up. Yeah. Square go like. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Cyril, get the strap. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, it, it's got these little surprising character moments uh, littered through it. 
Um, it doesn't have much in terms of plot, but that's not what Paul Thomas Anderson's ever that interested in. Um, it's also extremely sexy for a film that does not show anything. Yeah, like that. it is very like, sexy. Just bits of food being cooked and dresses being yeah. made mm. and just um, like the pressing of fabric against skin. Oh, yeah, extremely yeah. so. Um, mm. It's a good word. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's a Reynolds-Woodcock word. Yeah. yeah. This is simply titillating yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on that wonderful accent maybe yeah. and this morning, do you know what I ate this morning guys no, uh, asparagus porridge porridge, uh. porridge. <laughs> oh my god the way uh, thick cream. bit naughty bit naughty <laughs> but it's good to have in the house good to have around the house <laughs> <laughs> I just want to say shout Sarah, out would you like some porridge <laughs> I just Camelot needs some porridge. Him. He hasn't had breakfast. <laughs> it's very important to me. And also, <laughs> speaking of porridge, I just want to shout out to Vicky Creeps for the moment when um, they're they're kind of on holiday or whatever, and she just kind of gets rid of all decorum and eats her porridge like an absolute savage. <laughs> and it's the funniest thing. Like, literally, like, teeth grinding against yeah. the spoon bag. Oh, yeah, like, the, when it gets into the sound design, when oh. she's trying to annoy him, like, the sound yeah. of her knife on toast yeah. is the yeah. loudest toast you ever heard. can't have confrontation in the morning. No. <laughs> Simply cannot. We'll move on in a second just to cover quickly our most anticipated films. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Right, so we've only got a few minutes, but we will quickly uh, go ahead and preview what our favorites are coming up in the next six months. Uh, I've already been lucky enough to see a few. Uh, I can, like Cold War, which uh, mm. is going to be out on the 31st of August on Curzon Home Cinema and In Cinemas. Uh, I think that won the Best Director Award. It did. Yeah, uh, that's the follow-up to Ida from Pavel Pavlikowski. Uh, but I've asked you th- again to quickly uh, send me your three most anticipated releases. Uh, so let's go the other way around the table and start with Sam. Uh, in a few weeks' time, we've got Incredibles 2, which, uh, hey, maybe one of us has already seen. Can't confirm. Yeah. Can't confirm because the embargo's up. I have seen it, and it's really great. Uh, <laughs> the moment you hear the uh, Giacchino, I was like, oh, I like this film. And it, it starts like immediately as the first film ends. There's none of this like, oh, what is Dash doing now that he's 30? Yeah, it starts with the battle with the, the Underminer, which, which is uh, the uh, sort of exclamation mark of the last film. And it goes straight from there. And as the film goes on, they kind of switch roles. So Elastigirl is now back in action. And Mr. Incredible Bob Parr is left to deal with the kids at home. Um, but it's it's really fun. The action looks in, is incredible. There's a Elastigirl is a really cool motorbike. And there's a really mm. cool scene on a monorail. Yeah, um, we've got an interview 
Yeah, I had a great interview with uh, two of the producers on the film, so we'll be playing that in a few weeks' time. They're really fun. Uh, it's just, yeah, I think it's the most one of the, it's the most fun I've had in a cinema this year. Great. Uh, looking forward to that. Uh, my next film I'm looking forward to is Widows, the Steve McQueen film. Yeah. Which uh, I wasn't really paying much attention to in the preamble. Um, I you know I like I like shame. I like hunger. I like Twelve Years a Slave. I knew that he was doing this next film, which is going to be like an action film based on a Linda LaPlante book, which was a TV movie in the 80s and I thought hmm okay like didn't pay attention to it watch the trailer fully in mm. uh, so you've got a gang of thieves led by Liam Neeson who are killed in a robbery that goes wrong and it's about their widows who then have to pick up kind of pick up where they left off and it's Viola Davis in the lead role and it looks phenomenal yeah that trailer got such a huge reaction on yeah. social media as well there's a particular moment of Daniel Kaluuya waving yeah. which is going to be me <laughs> and, and Daniel Kaluuya's in it yeah, yeah. and uh, uh, Paperboy from Atlanta um, Brian Tyree Henry. Yeah. Love him. Great. They look great in it. And uh, the last one. The last one I'll quickly talk about is Halloween. Uh, I love Hall- I love the Halloween franchise. Um, and I was very sceptical of a- another one. But it's got the blessing of John Carpenter. It's been directed by David Gordon Green. It's co-written by Danny McBride, which is phenomenally weird. Mm. And also, Jamie Lee Curtis is back. Uh, this film is going to completely ignore every Halloween sequel. So this is like a new Halloween 2. It's set. You know, thirty odd years after the first film, and uh, this is what happens when Michael comes back home. And again, with Widows, the trailer really confirms how excited I am for this film. It could be terrible, but the trailer looks uh, really fun, really old fashioned, and I can't wait. From the director of Your Highness (laughs) (laughs) and the sitter. (laughs) And uh, so, Camilla, you've highlighted a film that uh, played at Cannes. I wasn't uh, able to see it, but uh, very excited about it. Oh, Black Klansman. I am so excited about this. Uh, It's been, I mean, I was going to say it's been a while since Spike Lee's made something truly great, but uh, I was one of the people who really loved uh, Chirac. We, um, had, we did that we on this podcast, on podcast and we were big fans of it as well. Yes. We're the other ones. I'm with my people. <laughs> that was us. That was us. <laughs> there are dozens of us. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm, just, I'm really excited to see him make something that's like, like very, you can tell it's uh, meant to be very provocative mm. uh, in this kind of same sense as something like uh, Malcolm X or Do the Right Thing, like a kind of call to action, but, you know, for our times. Mm. Um, and then we got Sorry to Bother You. Yes. Um, that's what I'm excited for too, but also it's very interesting to me that, uh, to me, um, I, I, I'm happy that there's two films that uh, are coming out that are about code switching, <laughs> essentially. So uh, two black men pretending to be a white person on the phone uh, in order to dispel racism or something. But um, Sorry to Bother You just looks like it's taking more of um, an angle towards uh, capitalism and just kind of the daily grind, but mm. it's uh, just looks like this mad thing via... Michelle Gondry or something. Yeah, but. it's got great artwork as well. Um, it already looks like there's some great iconography and imagery that's coming out of oh, it just yeah. in the stills. Um, really excited for that one. Uh, and the last one I think is actually already one that all three of you have seen, and that's Eighth Grade. Eighth Grade's a big one. Uh, yeah. It's just a really, it's a really lovely film. But just, um, and I remember when I saw it, a lot of people were saying to me, just like, I don't know how Bo Burnham knows my childhood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it just, it has this really great approach to this universal kind of angst of being a teenager and uh, kind of all all these growing pains. It's just a really lovely first feature mm. from him. And really you, funny. You did sadly so. say that this will be the end of dabbing. I, d- I proclaimed this as it should be the final nail in the coffin for the dab I'm gonna, because it's <laughs> agonising. I'm going to hold that torch. Keep that torch burning for as oh long as God. I can. <laughs> I mean, if you watch this film because and you still want to dab, officially, I, officially a dabbing I'm fan of the podcast. Yeah. Oh we, we back it. 
Yeah. Officially, yeah. Yeah. Guys, yeah, we officially we're taking the moment to officially we, endorse. We're going to endorse and endorse dabbing. Yeah. All right, uh, Kelly, we made it around the table. Mm. What are your three? Uh, okay, so the first one is Gus Van Sant's new film. Don't worry, he won't get far on foot. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing it. I think it's got mixed reviews, um, but um, still, Joaquin Phoenix. Rooney Mara. Yeah. And he's, he's always going to be a director people are curious about. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. So that one is definitely up on the list. Um, the other one is Disobedience by Sebastian Lelio. Yeah. Um, very excited for that one. Been waiting a long time to see it. Mm. I know we've got to wait quite a while longer, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. I think it's got a November release or something. Yeah. Yeah. That's um, crazy. Yeah. I know. It's um, ridiculous. But this is Sebastian Lelio. Who j- he just <clears throat> uh, won the Oscar for mm-hmm. foreign language film yeah. with A Fantastic mm. Woman, which was obviously a, a big Curzon release. Um, and that was on home cinema. And Disobedience will be doing the same. And this mm-hmm. is um, Rachel Rice and Rachel McAdams. Yeah. yeah. Two uh, Rachels. Two yeah. Rachels. It's nice Amazing to see that he's doing interracial relationships. <laughs> Okay, it's very oh, good. <laughs> wow, that is exceptional. This is a great good. podcast with me, Jake, and Kelly because yeah. Cam's entirely been cut out. <laughs> um, and I think the third one I put on was High Life, uh, Claire Denise's uh, film yeah. with uh, uh, Robert Pattinson and um, who's the other one? Oh. Juliette Binoche. Mm. Um, the other one. The other one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's only, I think it's together, only like three yeah. people in the film. <laughs> they're just the, they're the dynamic duo. <laughs> yeah. um, I think Newman and Redford. Cinnamon <laughs> 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 and Binoche. Uh, I hate to burst your bubble there, Kelly, but I think that's a 2019 release. Is it? Yeah, they've delayed oh, it now. Literally, as you started talking about it, well, I've got, got another oh, one. <laughs> What's your other one, quickly? Uh, Damien Chazelle's uh, one. First, First man, man, space stuff. Yeah. Space <laughs> stuff. Where are we oh. going to go? Moon. Yes. <laughs> How do we know underline they're going to the moon? moon. Write moon on the blackboard and underline it. Wait, uh, are there any questions? Yeah, wh- uh, where are we going again, Kyle Chandler? Ah, <laughs> oh, I've underlined it, mate. It's on the other blackboard. And it takes so long to get to the moon, it's taken me two blackboards. And I've had to draw a huge line across both of them, one into the other, to get to the moon. Right, I think that's all we've got time for now. Um, we've uh, we've got you all very excited for the next six months of cinema in uh, in the UK in Curzon uh, and on Curzon Home Cinema as well. Um, talking about that, you can still watch In the Fade, which was the focus of last week's show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I went on a little uh, football search because maybe there are some crossover fans out there who are also going to Curzon's and uh, watching the World Cup. Bend It Like Beckham's on Curzon Home Cinema. Oh, great. Yeah. Um, I love that movie. Yeah, really, really good. Um, so I was very happy to see that on there. Uh, now, if you've got any thoughts on your most anticipated releases uh, for the next six months, please email us at podcast at curzon.com for next week's show. We'd love to read them. And uh, in the meantime, you can subscribe, leave us a review or comment, uh, rate us out five. That would be wonderful. Next week, we've got uh, Haifa Al-Mansour, the director of Mary Shelley, on the show. And we're going to be talking about that because that's actually going to be uh, out in cinemas and on demand next Friday. Uh, in the meantime, though, you can follow me at Jake H. Cunningham on Twitter. You can follow Camberley at... Camberley Campbell. You can follow Sam at... I think I'm Sam Howlett underscore one. Yes. And you'll find Kelly enjoying her life because she's not a slave to these <laughs> social media machines. <laughs> um, but that's all we've got time for. So, Kelly, would you like to say bye? Goodbye. Bye from Sam. Goodbye. Bye from Camberley. Goodbye. Bye from me. Bye-bye. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. 
If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.